guys. Welcome to another edition of League One Fun, uh, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest. We have Elliot from River City 93. Elliot, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good, man. Can't complain. Join the Richmond humidity, you know. Oh, yeah. It's all good. It's dry down here, but uh, I-, I wouldn't want that. Uh, we also have Ira. <laughs> Ira, how's it going? And I happen to be in Richmond as well. So uh, this is the uh, the dual Richmond crew tonight. Right. And then last but not least, uh, this week, Chris, how's it going? I'm doing well. Of course you're going to have to bring two Richmond guys to take on one Greenville guy this week. That's what. That's the only chance they have to get victory this week. <laughs> hey, hey. In fairness, in fairness, I'm only here on business. I, uh, I I'm a neutral in this whole affair. So that, I'm, that I'm actually that doesn't, that doesn't allegedly better than one. <laughs> well, tonight, guys, we have uh, a little bit of news. Uh, we'll, we're going to be recapping the last week of games and then previewing uh, this weekend's upcoming games, along with some fan questions. Um, but to start out some news today, it was announced this morning, this afternoon, of potential second round Open Cup uh, matchups. This is, of course, only if these teams win their first round matchups, which were announced last week. Um, so quickly, the, the possible matchups, we have Ford Madison traveling to El Paso to face the locomotive if they win. Uh, Lansing, if they get past Ann Arbor AFC, will travel to Indy 11. Uh, Richmond Kickers, if they beat Virginia United, will go to North Carolina FC. Uh, Greenville Triumph and South Georgia Tormenta, whoever wins that one, gets to play the Charleston Battery. And then, last But if Greenville wins, we host, baby. Yes, Ooh. that's true. And if South Georgia wins, Charleston will host, I believe is the, the case. And then last yeah. but uh, Red Wolves FC will travel to Nashville or an hour outside of Nashville to play Nashville SC if they beat Toronto. So, guys, any any thoughts on these possible matchups? Um, Chattanooga Red Wolves in Nashville FC seems like a real good game to me. Like that's like a possible derby, you know. I, I wonder. I want to know if Nashville's going to really show up for that game. I think it's. I, you, the USL probably pretty busy those couple of weeks, so it'd be, it'd be surprising to see if uh, they do show up. Chris, I know you're excited if if Greenville gets the win. What do you think about hosting Charleston? I think either team that gets to play Charleston is going to be fun because Tormenta, you know, down there states where it's it's fairly close to Charleston. Um, that'll be a, a decent trip with with fans there. But I'm all about the Palmetto Derby. Bring the battery up to Greenville. Uh, you know, I've been ever since I've been following the USL Charleston's with my team. That's a South Carolina team. So uh, excited to see those two teams potentially go head to head in my, in my town. I'd be pumped up about it. And I, I wonder how much, I wonder how much home field advantage is going to matter in, in these open cup matches, because especially for the <laughs> league one teams, because they haven't played that many matches, some of them in their home home pitch, right? Like, you know, obviously Richmond would have if they had hosted, but they're not. So, um, you know, do, do you think Chris Greenville will, you know, how much of a benefit will the home field be if they do wind up playing Carlson? 
I think the benefit, the the biggest benefit is not having to travel. And yeah, Charleston is three hours away, but for, you know, for a league one side to not have to travel and to be able to host. Plus I think, I think especially for a team like Greenville, a brand new team in the city, you know, I think the excitement of, Hey, you know, the owners talked from day one about, we wanted to, we wanted to come in at the championship level, but we were kind of persuaded to come into league one. Well, now's your chance. Now's your chance to to show it on the big stage. And I think fans, I think they'll do a huge push to get people out. And if they sell it out, I mean, that first week at legacy, when it was 4,000 strong in there, I mean, it's, it was, it was a, a strong home field crowd. So I think it, you know, I don't know that it's, Again, all these guys are professionals. Like I don't know how much the crowd is going to affect them terribly, but uh, but I do think not having to travel is a big thing for the League One players. Yeah, Mark, I wonder if if you have an idea. You know, we talked about how far some of the uh, League One teams could go. So, assuming that they win, and you know, obviously the the, the Greenville match, you know, we kind of hope maybe that Greenville is going to win, just so a, a League One team will host a match. But who, who do you think has the best chance in the in the second round? Uh, with all these matches if all these teams advance i i think you'd have to look at someone like forward madison uh playing in the expansion team um teams uh, el paso's not a huge team uh they haven't been too impressive this season in the championship and so catching a team like that on short rest despite the travel i think gives them the best opportunity you look at someone like lansing you know in the 11 on any given day could show up and put five on you um, and that's for a championship team. So that, that matchup scares me a little bit. I think um, I think Red Wolves could give Nashville SC a scare, um, depending on who Nashville would decide to play. But again, like in the 11, they've got attackers for days. Um, and so you'd worry about how many they put up on a league one side. And Elliot, so I'm gonna gonna steal the spotlight here for a second. Ask you one more question. So Richmond and North Carolina FC, we've seen that matchup before. Um, you know, the last couple of years when when Richmond was in the championship, um, you know, what, you know, <clears throat> Richmond is not doing well in League One, but you know, quite frankly, North Carolina FC only has is toward the bottom of the table in the East of uh, Championship as well. So, what do you think about that matchup? Yeah. Oh. I think it would be a unique matchup. It's kind of like a derby almost because it's like the I-85. I mean, yeah, the I-85 derby. Um, I would say if we're going on the road, I think Richmond will get up for it. I think kind of us not playing at home will be to our benefit almost because it's kind of like we don't have the pressure of the crowd on us. You know, not last year, but the year before that, us losing the Christos in the U.S. Open Cup wasn't good. Last year, you know, we went up to Philadelphia Union. Um, so I – I'll be kind of interested. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that Richmond doesn't get big eyes against Virginia United and then overlooks. Um, looking forward towards that North Carolina FC matchup and we get upset. So as long as we can stay focused, I think we can take it to North Carolina FC. I haven't watched a ton of their games, but I do believe we can make it a real good matchup. I, you know, I can see us taking them to extra time and hopefully pulling it out. Sounds good. And we'll have plenty. Those games aren't until uh, May 14th or 15th, I believe. So we have plenty of time to uh, look at those matchups. Uh, and then the other piece of news, we talked about this in the preseason, I think. Um, but USL League One was planning on doing docu-series um, about some of the teams. And so the first one came out called The Club on the Rise about South Georgia Tormenta. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch it. Um, 
but I know this is something the league was was pretty intent on doing, and, and it's good behind the scenes look at some of these teams in their first year. Yeah, I thought uh, it was it's I, awesome. Like, I don't know. Oh, oh you're fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I was going to say, like, I think it's awesome. Like, I don't know if you guys ever watched, like, Copa 90s, like, documentaries when they go around to, like, certain um, clubs in Europe. And I think they have one, like, this is um, Napoli and stuff. Like, it kind of reminded me of that. It kind of gives you a more in-depth view and feel to these clubs. It kind of makes you have, like, that personal connection to these clubs. So I think it's real cool that they're doing that. It's something unique. Yeah, I, I like it too. I, I think, you know, anytime you have marketing and, and you get to know some of the players involved too, like like you wind up seeing, um, uh, you, you know, MLS did that uh, LAFC uh, series that's on, on ESPN+. And, I, you know, this feels like a shorter version of that for League One teams. And I think, you know, just getting to know the personalities of each club is going to be nice. So I, I look forward to seeing the rest of them. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think this is the world we live in now where – podcasts and docu-series are really dominating the media consumption. You got Sunderland till I die on Netflix. That was a huge, huge draw for a lot of people. Um, in fact, w one member of this panel may or may not be filming some docu-series type material for a certain team in upstate <laughs> South Carolina this year, <laughs> but nice. uh, yeah, but I think, you know, I think that's this is the stuff that draws people in. It's the stuff that intrigues people. Honestly, it's part of the reason we get together every week and talk because people want to consume their sports to a deeper level nowadays than they used to. And and honestly, there's just so much access to it and so many great content creators out there that I'm all about it. And even if it's coming from the league side, obviously they're, you know, these are people that are employed to do it and can can do it full time and, and work and put out a good product. So I'm all about it. Sounds good. I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. And then I believe there's going to be four more, at least four more uh, throughout the season. So uh, as, as you guys all said, great luck uh, at the individual teams. Um, that wraps up for news. It was a pretty quiet week for uh, League One this week. Uh, so we'll get into some results. The first game of last week saw uh, Greenville Triumph 1, Chattanooga Red Wolves SC 0, Jake Keegan in the 74th minute with the game winner. Uh, Chris, you want to start us off? What did you see in this game? Sure, yeah. And I will, since he's not here on the panel, I'm totally going to call my guy Jason <laughs> out for trying to trying to throw me under the bus on Twitter saying that I was calling for Jake Keegan out on the wing. Uh, that is, in fact, not the case. If you watch League One Fun, watch or listen to League One Fun, you know I'm a big proponent of Jake Keegan up top in the striker role. And the goal that they scored this week was complete proof of that. Um, just finishing a, a, a shot set up by Carlos Gomez, who honestly really blew me away this match, had a goal that he scored that I think was wrongly called offside, but we can, we can debate that if we want to. Um, for me, you know, as I'm sitting there watching the game at Legacy Field, I, I, what I saw was a, a Greenville team that I, you know, we talked last week. I wasn't sure they were going to commit to the high press the way they had the week before without Cole Seiler back on defense. Well, I was clearly wrong. Um, they didn't listen to me. Coach Harkins didn't listen to me. And obviously he knew what he was doing because Greenville dominated. I mean, absolutely dominated Red Wolves. I know Red Wolves is a, t a team that sits back and tries to counterattack. And that has been a place where Greenville has been 
susceptible. I thought Evan Lee and Kevin Pollitz in particular sliding in there into center back really stepped up and they looked a lot better on the counterattack. They look a lot better at stopping that. Um, and to me, the guy, the, the man that I named man of the match over on GVLsoccer.com was uh, <laughs> Travis Ward. I got getting his first start out there on the right wing in place of Edmundo Robinson. And I mean, he was big and, and bulky and was bodying guys off the ball, creating chances. Um, they looked really good. It was hard for me to come up with some things to criticize Greenville on, um, but they, they looked really good. And, and Red Wolves just kind of, I don't, <sighs> I mean, they looked fine and sufficient, but I think their age showed a little bit in this match. I mean, they just looked kind of clunky and slow at times. And like they, I, there was a lot of, you know, the thing about being soccer on this level, you get to hear a lot of the interaction between the players and it just seemed like they were not cohesive and they were, they were chipping at each other. They were yelling at each other. It just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I'm kind of out on Red Wolves now after seeing them in person. I, I really didn't think they, they looked like a cohesive unit. Well, and that's something you said now two times in what the first three or four weeks about Red Wolves. Uh, so it, it does not get better. That's definitely a concern. I noticed, um, I, I don't know where I read it, but I saw that Bermuda started on the left again. Uh, was he it better? He did. He started on the left, and they actually switched him around at right at halftime, but pretty much right immediately switched back. Um, I, I think Bermudez has looked really good on the right, but this match, he looked really good out on the left. Just in, I think he's growing and not holding on to the ball too long. And the other thing is, I just think Travis Ward was dominating his defender on that right side. Like there was just no sense. He's so much bigger and, and Bermudez is this small, tiny 19 year old. I, I think it was just working so well that even after they switched it, I, I don't think it, it was paying dividends. So they just switched it right back. I think it's interesting how Kevin Pollitz is, you know, he's really been helping you guys, particularly stopping some of those counters. And, you know, he came out of the Red Bull system. And one of the things that they just talked about on another BGN show, um, uh, uh, Rise, Raising Bulls with uh, um, Joe Goldstein, uh, you know, they were talking about, uh, you know, some players who have left the Red Bulls because the Red, if you're not going to make the first team, the Red Bulls basically just, you know, gets rid of you. And Kevin Pollitz was one of those guys last year where he, he actually looked really, really good on the back line and could slot in into that center back position. And I think, you know, he's he's been doing a great job for you guys at, at Greenville. And I, I was I've been really impressed with, you know, how cohesive your your defense has been. Not that you haven't let in some goals, but at the same time, it's like in general, I think these guys' chemistry is really improving. Yeah, he's he's been really great out on the right at that right back position. But honestly, the way he played at center back this week. I'm not sure I wouldn't look to to maybe keep him in that role because he really, really came in big time on fighting those counterattacks. And the first goal ever scored in League One history when Tormenta struck up that counterattack, it was Pollitt's playing really high up on that right side and he kind of whiffed. I feel like if he was at a center back position, that wouldn't have happened. So it'll be interesting to see how Harks adjusts and if he, if he moves him back out on the right or if maybe he tries to play him back centrally more. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Ellie, any thoughts on this match? Um, I'm just really hoping that, um, you know, Greenville doesn't look that good against us this weekend. <laughs> no, but besides that, I mean, what I've seen from Greenville, I think I've probably watched a total of two halves of Greenville because, you know, of course, I'm focused on the kickers and our debacles in the back. Um, they seem to have a real solid midfield. It, 
really seems to gel really quick. I've seen like a lot of communication. Besides the first game they lost against Tormenta, um, I mean, their midfield seems to be one of the best jailed units in League One right now. I'm going to take that take. So that that's a solid take for me. All right, so we'll move on. Uh, the next game of the week, uh, Lansing Ignite 3, Richmond Kickers 1. We had a uh, red card, a second yellow to Maxi Rodriguez of Richmond in the 35th minute. And then the scoring waited until the second half. We had uh, in the 47th minute, Nick Moon. In the 55th minute, Alex Bruce, both of Lansing. Uh, Dennis Chin got one back for Richmond in the 66th. Uh, but just four minutes later, Stoneman uh, off a corner kick, I believe, uh, buried the third goal for Ignite. And uh, that's the second three-goal victory for Ignite over Richmond in the first three weeks. Uh, Elliot, we'll start with you since uh, kickers are your team. Uh, what what went wrong? Um, whew. I think what went wrong was Maxi's red card. Because um, if you look at the first 30 minutes or so, we were kind of pressing Lancer back into our own head. It was kind of like the first game, but flipped on his head. Lancer was kind of like forced into our box. They wasn't didn't look comfortable on the ball. They didn't look like they could make the easy passes. And when Maxi got the red card, it's kind of like Lancer eyes lit up because the one thing you don't want to give Lancer is the opportunity is to have more have a man advantage on you. Um, they thrive on that since they're a very high pressing, aggressive pressing team. And it just seemed like we never really adjusted to it. I mean, the first goal from Nick Moon, um, there's no way of Carroll was saving that. It's kind of like he cut in, and it's actually my co-host pointed out to me, um, Boham, he actually slipped on the baseball infield turf. And that's when Nick Moon made the cut, and he just body put it into the top right corner. And it was that happened right after halftime. And it was kind of like once that moment happened, it was pretty much like – any plan that Coach Bulo had, it pretty much got scrapped. And it was kind of like, now all right, now we got to go attack them. We can't sit back how we want to be defensive. And it just never really worked out for us. The second goal um, is something that we pointed out multiple times on our podcast and that um, Cody Reeves of Capital Combustion also pointed out. It just seemed like lack of communication amongst the back line. I mean, the back line for us is kind of – it's fairly new. Um, we only brought back really five starters for the start of this year. But still, it's just something simple like, hey, man on, guys behind you. And everyone was just ball watching at that moment. So now you're going that 2-0. And then Dennis Chen, Dennis Chen um, he had a real scrappy goal to get us back to 2-1. But then the third goal, it, it was pretty much lights out. Um, it seemed like Chen went to go clear the ball. And you could see everyone behind him kind of like hesitated for a second. And then when they realized he wasn't going to clear it, it was already too late because Stoneman just – and I don't know how he does this as a center back because I don't have this kind of touch, no skill. And granted, I'm not like a professional player. But he just – he just happens to chip it over, I think, like three players. And he just lands in the top of the – I'm pretty sure if you gave him that shot nine out of ten times, he is missing it. Like, I, I guarantee it. So the fact that he chips it and makes it, 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 it was just – Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It's kind of like a, a quicksand game for us. So it kind of just highlighted everything that was just going wrong in the moment. Um, but, the, I mean, the two highlights, well, actually three highlights of it, 
Akira made some big saves for us that, you know, stopped the bleeding. Um, and Brandon Troyer and Dennis Chen came back quicker than I expected from injury. So now that they're back, you know, that kind of helps out the back line a little bit. It's nice to see that Troyer's back. I'm pretty sure he's going to start the Greenville matchup since Maxi is um, not going to be able to play that game. So he's pretty much going to be sitting back there. Hopefully a Moss comes back. So we're looking to get healthier at the right moment, but we need a win to kind of help change moment, get the momentum going. Well, and it's a good thing you don't play Lansing for another uh, 17 days. I know, right? Like, I really feel like the league is trying to make this a robbery, but you can't make it a robbery. We gave up, what, six goals? <laughs> In the span of two weeks, like gosh. Chris, Ira, any thoughts on this game? Ira's muted, so I'll go ahead and jump in. Um, I think anytime your captain uh, goes out with a red card, Maxi Rodriguez, uh, he he's a guy for Richmond that really is driving the play. He's the engine of the kickers in a lot of ways. I mean, I he's that. he's creating chances he's driving the ball up that midfield and that is why i am super optimistic this week for greenville's chances <laughs> without him making the trip down to the upstate because I, I i mean here's the thing anytime there's a red card in the game and and the goals are coming after that there's it's going to be wonky and it's going to be lopsided because that's why you don't want to get red cards because you're going to play yeah, a man down and, and the advantage goes especially to a team like lansing with with offensive firepower and, you know, Lansing has had, had some moments of, of not great chemistry as well, but when you give them an extra man, it doesn't really matter how great their chemistry is. They're going to, they're going to create those chances, especially with that, with that attacking firepower. And I uh, just want to say a congrats to Grant Stoneman, uh, two goals in two weeks, you know, last week's was, was not for his team, but that's fine. Um, he's still, <laughs> he's still scored two goals in two weeks. So congrats to Grant Stoneman. I, I, I think it was named, uh, wasn't he named USL Player of the Week as well? Is, is that right? Yeah, Mar Mark's nodding his head. Yeah, so, I think so. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure so. that's it. If at, at a minimum he's on the team of the week. I, I, I think we need to talk about the red card a little bit because, you know, while I think the first foul of Maxi's was, you know, worthy of a red card, uh, worth, worthy of a yellow, I, I think that the second yellow was a little bit weak. Um, you know, it was, I, certainly I a it was certainly a foul. But, you know, it, was it a foul worthy of a second card? Because he, he, I don't recall him having uh, another, another really, you know, bad challenge in between, in between the two. So it couldn't have been a second yellow for persistent infringement. So that means it had to be because of uh, another, reckless, uh, another reckless challenge. And that particular one looked like a run-of-the-mill foul to me. And not, it didn't seem reckless. So, yeah. um, you, you know, I mean, granted, when you're on a yellow, you still have to be careful. But, you know, it did change the complete dynamic of the game. I actually think that Richmond was pretty unlucky not to have scored in that first 35 minutes. So, and, and, and it changes, and the dynamic of the game would have been much different had they scored. Of course, that, that's a counterfactual, of course. And, you know, if, if Richmond had put one in and that red card happens at a 1-0 with Richmond ahead, that changes the dynamic of the game, too. Um, no, so I, I think Richmond's, Richmond's not as bad as their results have, have shown recently. I mean, no, I totally agree with that. Like, I was at a watch party, and we were watching the game, and when Maxi got the red card, we were all like, how did he get a straight red? Because we didn't even know he got the first yellow card. And then when we went back at halftime and looked, it was when he shoved, I think, St. Duca out of bounds. But then the second yellow card, like, I agree with you. We totally thought that was not a red card at all. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Richmond has had his chances. It just seems like, and I was talking to other supporters about this, it just seems like right now there just seems to be like a cloud around the club for like the last, what, two years really? You know, we've been going down, falling down the table, and it's just like, it's just been like a cloud of negative energy. So I think like Gariano had a chance on goal one-on-one and he tries to like, does the extra pass where if he's informed, the team's informed, I'm pretty sure he takes that strike one time and it's in the back of the net. So it's just like, once you get the chemistry straight, I think once we get that first win, I think we'll start doing a lot better and taking our chances. Yeah. I mean, Ira, you know, this is the thing where we talked about this last week, especially in that green Lansing match. Like you, you just have to be smart. If you're sitting on a yellow card, you, you can't, you can't make foul. You just can't make fouls, whether they're worthy of a second yellow or a first yellow, you know, I, I actually appreciate a, that a that a ref's going to give a yellow card, whether it's a first or a second. Like, if that's his opinion that it's a yellow card, like, go ahead and give it. I, you know, I've never been a proponent of like, well, if it's a second yellow, it's going to be a lead, lead to a red. It needs to be like really, really a yellow. I'm kind of a proponent of if it's a yellow, it's a yellow. Now, whether yeah, this one was with, or whether whether this one was or not, you know, that's that's debatable. But I, you know, I I think you just have to play smarter if you know you're on a card and and. Um, that's unfortunate. It's again, I'm relishing it as a Greenville fan, knowing we we're getting to play them without without their captain this week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just I think this is going to be an issue at this. You know, we've talked a lot this season about League One as a level of professional sports and and what sets it apart as as Division Three. And I think this may be an area that we're starting to see is going to going to show its Division Three ness uh, of kind of discipline in that way and understanding situational discipline when you're on a yellow card, you know, knowing, knowing how to play from that point. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the aspects I think we haven't talked about yet, it was mentioned, but if you guys watched the game, what were your impressions of the field? I know the, uh, the turf that was over the infield dirt, what it didn't look great. And, and you mentioned how it might've led to, to the first goal um, but how would you compare that to, to the other fields you guys have seen this year? It's the worst field out there. <laughs> like, right now, Orlando City B probably has no fans, but at least they have, like, a suitable pitch. And this is, like, in no way shots to Lansing. Like, I love the Lansing guys, but it, first of all, the field dynamics look off. Like, there were so many balls that went out of bounds that the field judge was just like, ah, oh, we'll keep it in bounds. And then, like, it was literally, like, one point in the game, I think it's – I think it was Bodoc slipped, and, like, a patch of grass just crumbled up like a dead raccoon. And then he just looks at the ref, and the ref is like, oh, keep playing, keep playing, it's fine, don't worry about it. And he's just looking like, yo, the field is literally lifting up. It's I think this is horrible. this is something you see at every level. I mean, I remember seeing Atlanta United and uh, up in New York City a couple of weeks ago, and a defender slides and a huge chunk of the sod comes up because anytime you put temporary sod down on a baseball diamond, you're going to get this. And you know, yeah. there's there's baseball diamonds at every level of soccer in America, and it's you know, I think we all can agree, like, yeah, in an ideal world, you don't have that. You can play on actual soccer pitches or even football fields for that matter. 
but this is the world we live in. I mean, people aren't going to necessarily always just build a soccer specific stadium. You got to, you got to do what makes financial sense. And that's what they're doing in Lansing. It's unfortunate that the field conditions are that way, but it's just going to be, it's going to be something people are going to get used to. Cause look, here's the deal. Greenville plays an artificial turf. And I'm sure there's, there are some players that don't like that either. Now I would take that every day over playing on a baseball field, but that's, that's just my preference and, and what I prefer to watch. Um, but there's going to be there's going to be issues across the board wherever you're playing. Somebody's going to find something that they don't love about it. I, I'm sure you guys don't remember this, but at least they're putting at least there's a requirement now by U.S. Soccer that you have to play on all on on you know all grass. I mean, look, I watched Pele play at Yankee Stadium where they still had the dirt in the in the outfield in the infield, right? So <laughs> so like literally a quarter of the pitch was was dirt, and you know which. You know that that really changes the dynamic of the game even more more than this. So I think we're making steps in the right direction, and and eventually when we have enough soccer specific stadiums, it'll be it'll be better too. But um, yeah. you know I, I I agree with everything Chris said. Like it's you know we're it's a fact of life. We're going to play in, in baseball stadiums for a little while, and and eventually when the sport grows big enough and everyone spends enough money and they stop watching the Premier League and they start watching MLS, USL Championship, and USL League One instead. There'll be you know way more money in the sport, and and we'll all be able to have great stadiums. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next game, uh, North Texas SC one Ford Madison zero. Uh, we had to wait till the ninety minute to get a goal in this game, uh, and it comes via penalty by Ricardo Pepe. Uh, so North Texas, that's uh, two wins in two games, and for Madison, two losses in two games. What were your thoughts on this game, guys? Um, I, I guess I'll start. It wasn't as ugly as you know. It makes it sound like you know, with with a goal in 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 an extra time, both teams probably should have scored a couple of goals. Um, in particular, North Texas. I mean, North Texas. North Texas, quite frankly, in my opinion, looks dangerous. They're they're the sleeper that we didn't give enough credit to. I think I think in our preview shows because it, it, at this point, I would say that they're you know very likely to make the playoffs just the way that they're. They're playing, and if, uh, assuming that their players don't get all pulled up to, um, to FC Dallas, but um, which will probably happen. You know, <laughs> well, Dallas will just send them eleven. Then, they'll just send them eleven more guys, like they did last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and in and in fairness, I mean they are going to lose some guys, right? Ricardo Pepe and some other guys for at least part of the uh, uh, the time in May are, are going to go to the under twenty World Cup. So. Um, so, so those guys won't, won't, won't necessarily be, a few of them won't be around. Um, the same thing with, uh, with Orlando as well, but, uh, you know, they move the ball really well. They press really well. Uh, they look very organized for, for North Texas. I think Madison still needs just a little bit of more chemistry. I think quite frankly, they need more games under their belt, right? So they, you know, both of these teams have only played two matches, but I think on, on Madison's side in, in particular, they just haven't played enough competitive matches yet where, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the North Texas guys, um, you know, they've all played together a whole bunch of times. And actually, you know, Coach Hankinson from, um, from the Red Wolves mentioned this too. Like, look, all of those guys have played together for two or three years, so their chemistry is really good. Um, and that means a lot. So I think, you know, Madison um, as, is just going to need to play a few more games before we can say, hey, this is a playoff team or not. We, you know, we don't have enough data points yet to, to, to be able to say that convincingly. And somebody, somebody on this panel said they wouldn't make the playoffs. Just saying. I, I, um, I knew you were going to bring that up. I 100% knew you were going to bring that up. 
Um, of course, I, I, was, I had the Red Bulls winning, winning the whole thing too. So. Sure, I will Whoa. say, I will say in this match, you know, I thought North Texas looked really good offensively. Um, the thing that really impressed me was Madison's defense. I mean, they had uh, they had twelve tackles, twenty seven clearances, I think 20, 20 interceptions. I mean, they just had they looked really, really good defensively in stopping that uh, North Texas attack that really was dominating most of the match in terms of possession and, and chances created. Um, and, you know, I think I think it was a, an offensive team playing a defensive team, and, and that's what it looked like. And, yeah, both teams had chances where they probably could have scored more. This this game could have been could have easily been 2-2, and it would have felt right and probably a justified result. And, you know, you get the – you get the last-minute uh, penalty kick there for North Texas, and that's that's the difference. And like, and, and it, it was a hundred percent a penalty too. It was a hundred percent a penalty, and but it, it you know it feels it kind of feels like an unfortunate an unfortunate result, just in the sense that like the two teams were pretty evenly matched for for the most the most part. Um, I, but again, this is this is one of those things where discipline is going to come into play because forward Madison you know, picking up three yellow cards and Texas had one, but it was at the very, very, very start of the match. So, you know, discipline's going to be an issue in this league. And and I think you saw it rear its ugly head in a match that was very even and could have easily, the two teams could have easily split the points, but now North Texas is sitting on top of the league there with, uh, with in terms of points per game. I just want to shout out real quick. I, I, I think I brought him up in the preseason, but Cal Montgomery, uh, the central defender for, uh, North Texas has quietly had a good start to the year uh, in this past game. Seven out of eight duels won. Six out of seven aerial duels won. Uh, he's he's going to be a stud for North Texas as long as he's at this level because I don't think it's going to be for very long. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of disappointed for it, Madison, because I really feel like because the Minnesota United loan situation – I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's throwing off the whole dynamics of the club. From my standpoint, it just, it just looks that way. Because I expected I, – I ain't going to lie. I expected more out of Ford Madison. I know it's only been two games, and I know they got a game this upcoming week against Orlando City B. But it just seems like they have all the talent, but it seems like a lot of individual talent so far. A lot of games they could have controlled early. Mm-hmm. They could have won. It's just – I don't know. They just seem to be – Underwhelming to me so far. Speaking of underwhelming, uh, next game. (laughs) Come get your boys, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) SC Tucson won, uh, Toronto 2, that's the second team, uh, also scored one. We had Jamal Cox in the 73rd for Tucson, and then Jordan Hamilton, the uh, Toronto FC senior player. Scoring in the 79th. Uh, I was at this game, but I want to get you guys' thoughts first. Uh, if if you got a chance to see this late one, I think uh, I think Tucson could really use Ira's MVP pick right about now um, because they're <laughs> yeah, I, they're really struggling. Is, off, and and like they they're not. You know, I had Tucson in the playoffs, and I said at the beginning of the season I thought they were going to be a very strong defensive team, and they and they kind of have been. I think they've they've shown some defensive liabilities at times, but they've been pretty solid defensively. But man, they can't score, and if you can't score, you can't win. You've got to. They've got to start producing some offense, and 
I mean, gosh, you, you look at a team, I think anytime, anytime you're a team that's going to play Tor- Toronto 2 or uh, Orlando City B, you're, you're expecting to walk out of that match with three points. And honestly, to, to have Toronto just come in and, and take a point from you, like that, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, if I was a Tucson fan, I'd be really frustrated about that. <laughs> yeah, um, you're correct. Uh, I, th- there's just been a couple of things that Tucson struggled with, whether it's uh, giving up goals directly after scoring them. And this is the second straight game that they have scored and have been unable to still have the lead 10 minutes later. Um, but one thing that drove me crazy, I, I was sitting in the practice press box during the game and I was looking at uh, the match center on the USL site. Tucson was not getting touches in zone 14, which is a lot of people consider the, the dangerous zone. It's right in the middle of the field, right outside the 18-yard box. Up in, If you look, you can look throughout the game and up until like the 70th minute from when they scored, their assist on the goal was from this zone. They just were not getting touches. Whether that's by design or whether that's just based on how the defense is playing. Tucson is just spending way too much time out on the wings and not getting any results from it. And I, I don't know what what they what they're thinking really in continuing some, you know, the definition of insanity, repeating something, expecting results to change. It just hasn't worked so far. Um, I think Based, based on how the game played out, I think they were even lucky to get a point. I think Toronto really looked good in the first half, especially uh, thinking uh, players like uh, Griffin Dorsey uh, really impressed me. He just attacked the Tucson defense directly and, and got a couple of chances as a result. And I think Toronto was unlucky to not walk away with three points in this game. So, Mark, since you were there, like, what was your impression of the midfield? Because the one thing that we've seen with Tucson – so far is is you know having possession in that midfield even even leading up like the build up play getting to zone 14 has been an issue cuz like you said they've always been playing wide do you think that that's a personnel problem or do you think it's more of a uh, more of a tactics problem well i mean you look at their lineups and you want to think so okay, luis martinez in that 10 role and, and he's a great player uh it just he's been drifting wide whether wide left or wide right um to try uh to transition into attack. I think um, you think of someone like Raheem Summersdale, I, I love him as a defensive player, but as a possession and attack minded player, I, I don't think he's, he's the answer. And then you have someone like, uh, I believe the third in this game was Carson Hanlon. Um, he, he was pretty invisible during the game. I was surprised he wasn't pulled. Uh, he, he played the whole game. I, I'm surprised he wasn't pulled at any point. Um, he just, he just was not influencing the game enough. And when you have one of your midfielders not putting any impact on the game, that leaves it a big hole. Any other thoughts on this game? No, I think that's pretty much sums it up. All right. <laughs> well, hopefully Tucson will be able to get back on track. They have they had 10, game, 10 days off before this game, and they have 13 days off after this. So... Uh, they have plenty of time to fix it, hopefully. The uh, last, the last game of the weekend, uh, Orlando City B won, South Georgia Tormenta won. You had Dioff in the 59th minute for OCB, and then Eckenrode 
in the 94th minute, uh, stole the point for Torment. Uh, what do you guys think of this game? Man, I I could not believe that Orlando looked as good as they did against the team that I think through the first couple of weeks looked like the the class of the league. And I mean, honestly, up until the last second, you thought Orlando is going to win this match. Uh, and, and that goal, the goal that tied it is, I mean, on it's, it's, it's painful to watch that goal. I mean, that, that was, uh, not pretty. Um, but Hey, you're Tormenta and you, you steal a point, but at the same time, again, like I said, I think if you're playing Orlando city or Toronto FC two, you're hoping you get all three points, especially if you're a team like, like Tormenta, where you feel like you, you could easily do that. The other thing I want to point out because we gave him a hard time last time, but, uh, the match center on USL league one site, this is the only game where they didn't list the attendance. So I don't know if they're just like I don't know if they're just like you know what we just we'd better we'd be better to just not put anything than put you know 200 people there. So I found that interesting. It's on every other match in the entire match center, but not on this one. So I got a feeling that 200 oh. people, at least 150 of them, are like people just walking around the park. I swear that's like a late <laughs> out there. Like I really feel like it's a strong 50. I really feel like it's a strong 50. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I did watch this game with some interest because um, I, I was curious if Tormenta was going to be able to keep up their form. I think what one of the things that's happened with a lot of these games and, and this one in particular is that, um, you know, I think Tor- Orlando changed their tactics just a little bit. Um, they weren't quite as direct as they had been before. And I think that that Tormenta was expecting Orlando to come at them a little bit more than they did, and, and that's, uh, you know, at least in the first half, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of messed up Tormenta's game plan. And, and um, But, yeah, I, I think Orlando actually deserves to win this one. So unlike, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the, the uh, uh, North Texas-Madison game, which maybe should have been a draw, this one I think, I think OCB deserved to win. But, you know, soccer is a cool sport, and, you know, if, you're, if you have a team that has belief in themselves, which I think is something that Tormenta does at the moment, um, you know, that was, yeah. you know, that, that, that they didn't give up. Right. And, and, you know, be, to be able to kind of get a, uh, you know, get a late goal and, and, and tie up the match was, was credit to them. I did find, uh, the attendance for the OCB game, uh, give it to me. Thanks to the USL Reddit. Ooh. Uh, they have two forty six written down as the attendance. Uh, two four six. Well, so so it went up. It's up two from last week. Eyebrow eyebrow hey. thoroughly raised. <laughs> yeah, I got to see ticket sales for that. I got to see Mon- sales. Mo- monocle emoji, eyebrow raised emoji, back to back. <laughs> How many of those tickets were actually so, sold? Is the question. You know. So that yeah. is. Uh, those are the results from this past week. Um, we'll transition now into a preview of next week. Uh, but before we do, just because it's actually based on a fan question later, let's get uh, Right now you have uh, Tormenta FC in first place with eight points on four games played. That's the important part. Uh, Lansing Knight on six points with three games played. North Texas on six points with two games played. Uh, Triumph on fourth with six points uh, with three games played. And then you have Toronto and FC Tucson tied right now on four points 
Uh, Tucson's played one, or Toronto's played one less game than Tucson. Uh, Chattanooga is in seventh with three points on three games. Richmond Kickers and Orlando City B both playing three games are on one point, and Ford Masson bringing up the rear. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Who's bringing up the rear? Who's bringing up the rear? Forward Madison. Say it again for the people in the back. Forward. <laughs> Two games out. Two games, no points. Uh, they could be up to third by the time they equal everyone on games. You never know. Uh, we're going into this weekend. Uh, speaking of Forward Madison, matchup of the Cellar Dwellers. Uh, OCB will be hosting Forward Madison, which I believe is their last. Uh, away game before they finally open up their new stadium up in Madison. So they've they've made the road trip. It hasn't been pretty, but they've they've done it. Uh, Chattanooga will host South Georgia Tormenta, and then Greenville will host the Richmond Kickers. This is a light week. Four four teams are off this week, um, and so not much to choose from from our pick'em. But we're gonna. Uh, Discuss OCB, Ford, Madison, and Red Wolves, Tormenta. Uh, Elliot, let's start with you. What are your picks uh, for these two games, and if you have any comments regarding why? Um, I'm going for OCB versus Ford, Madison. I'm going to draw. Um, I don't think Ford, Madison has had a game at home yet, have they? They played every game on the road, right? Yep. Next week will be our first game. Yeah, so I'm kind of going with the most of the draw on this one. I think OCB plays lights out for uh, Bagru because, you know, he got injured, unfortunately, in the game against Tormenta. I think Ford Madison is still trying to get, like like I said earlier, they have a lot of great individual talent. I think the thing about it is they haven't really meshed well. And when you're on the road a lot, you know, you're not really at home. You don't really have all your home fans with you. So I think that catches up to them, even though Atlanta CDB is like a library. Um I think it ends one one or maybe nil nil, just depending on how how both teams turn up for this one. And then um, oh, my phone just went to sleep. Uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves was uh, South Georgia, uh, South Georgia, Tormenta. I see this being a route. I, I can easily see four one, easily. All right, uh, four, I, how about four you? One to, was that four one to Tormenta? Yeah, four one to two. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, that that was like my uh, my my four four prediction on the uh, North Texas game against Madison last week. Um, <laughs> so, um, so so I think forward. I think this is kind of a trap game. And and by the way, always bet against me in in these kind of pickums. Okay. Um, so I I think it's kind of a, a could be kind of a a, a trap game. The uh, the Orlando forward game. So I actually pick forward just to just because uh, i don't know I, th- I think last week's match even though orlando looked really good i think forward probably uh you know w- wants uh, wants to get a win they they want to have some cohesion before they come home for their home opener um uh, and i have the the chattanooga tormenta matches as a draw um i think the that you know tormenta started strong but now that people have tape on them they're they're uh, the red wolves are going to be able to figure out how how to kind of stop Tormenta's attack and uh, and and right some of the ship. Um, so you know, I, I see that coming up with not a goalless draw, but something like a one-one or two-two um, draw in the end with you know a few goals and it'll be exciting. But um, but at the at the end of the day, um, they'll have to split the points. 
Chris, how about you? What, what do you see happening in these games? Yeah, I think uh, it's the third game on the road for forward. They're going all the way do- down to Orlando. I Part of me wants to pick Orlando and watch them send their 246 people home happy with three points, but I just don't trust them to not get a red card. I just <laughs> don't. So I'm, I'm calling it a draw because I feel like that's the safest pick at the moment. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised for either one of these teams to win one nil. Uh, so I'm just going to call that one a draw because I, it could, it literally could go either way, and it would not shock me. Uh, Tormenta and Chattanooga Red Wolves. I think Ira's right. I think the book is out on Tormenta a little bit. I think some of the uh, the early season. Hey, we've been a team. We we brought back a lot of people from our team from last year. Uh, I think a lot of that has maybe started to wear off, but at the same time, I just watched this Red Wolves team and they did not look good. And Tormenta for, you know, for as much as the book may be out, um, they still have that cohesion and that, and that uh, synergy that the Red Wolves just don't have yet. And so I think, I think even though they're going uh, to Chattanooga, I I see Tormenta walking out with, uh, with three points in this one. I actually have the uh, same exact results as you, Chris. Uh, I think a tie between Madison and OCB is likely. I think for Madison, it's just like you said, it, they're on, they're weary from the road. I think OCB is that team that will catch a goal if you're not looking, and, and I think that happens in this game. So I think like a one-zero result uh, or even a zero-zero draw uh, is likely. And then I have Tormenta. Uh, Again, for exact same reasons, uh, Chattanooga just does not look good right now. And, and who knows? In four months, we may be uh, saying something way different. But but in the moment, I think Tormenta gets back on that that winning streak they had uh, going on early. They, they're a little more rested now. They had that jam packed schedule, so I think they can pull out a win. And we'll be putting up uh, a Twitter poll. Uh, for those games for you guys to vote on uh, on Friday, I believe. So make sure you, you catch that. Uh, and with that, we have one fan question tonight, guys, uh, from Weston of Capital Combustion. Uh, his question, give me a team in the bottom five you think will make the playoffs, and what team in the top five would you consider the best flock at this point? Ira, uh, do, you have, do you have an answer for this? Um, so... I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, I, I'm. I still think that um, I still think that Chattanooga is going to wind up making the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, that's not the consensus pick, obviously. Um, but I'm also a non-consensus uh, kind of guy. Um, I do think that eventually they'll they'll turn it around. They'll they'll pick up some points and squeak into the playoffs. Um, I think I had them at third or fourth in the regular season, and and I'll stick with that. I, I think that that's li- uh, that that's likely. And um, you know, should, should we do the other one now too? Who's going to drop yeah. out? Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I I uh, yeah, it's, it's who's the it's who's the it's who's the lock? Who's the lock in the top five? <laughs> oh, who's who's the lock in the top five? Sorry. Yeah. Um, God, I, I think I think right now with the way they're playing, I would have to give it to Lansing. Um, you know, their their press has been really good. They've looked pretty cohesive, and I, I think that they can, you know, that that 
they'll probably just based on some of the schedule that they have to go through next too. I mean, they play TFC three times, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think that they're probably the most likely to, to make the playoffs. Elliot, how about you? What do you, uh, top team in the bottom five that you think will make it and team in the top five that will for sure. Do, do we get, do we give him oh. a pass if he says Richmond? <laughs> no, go for it. If you think it's Richmond. I mean, yeah, honestly, I think if you look at the bottom five, you got FC Tucson, Chattanooga, us, Atlanta CDB, Ford, Madison. Um, I do think Richmond has the best, the best chances to make it. Um, just because I think experience, we're getting healthier. So that's an important thing. Um, as you know, the season go on, certain teams are going to pick up injuries here and there. I think we get healthier. I also think that experience starts to kick in. I think we might go on a run um, right around July, August. It usually happens for us, rarely enough. I think we have the best chance of sneaking in. Um, if we don't sneak in, I think we'll finish right at the fifth spot. But we'll probably get beat out by goal differential. Um, and that make it into the playoffs. And my lock... I have to say it, I think it's Lansing. And I actually think Lansing might have the player of the year in Nick Moon. Like, from, I mean, granted, I've seen him play twice, but the kid is – he's up there. Like, I, I'm going with him. I know it's, like, really early to say, but I'm picking him to be, like, the player of the year. But I feel like Lansing, with the field they have – But you, you, can, you, can, you can have my MVP pick. So, <laughs> my MVP pick doesn't play in the league anymore. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I look Lansing's home field advantage, their style that they play, I think it's a style that's very um you can take it anywhere. You know, you don't have to change a whole lot. Um, I feel like they're probably the best team to make it in and if they get home field advantage, I don't it's very few teams that I can see going up to Lansing and beating them. Fair enough. Uh Chris, what are your thoughts? So uh, I agree that I think I think Richmond is is got a really good chance from down there in the bottom five. But look, I'm not I'm nothing if not consistent, and I picked uh, I picked Tucson to be in the playoffs, and I really think they've actually as as bad as they've looked to start the season, they're in sixth place. I mean they they're not they're not out of it. Like they, they've done a good job of even in this, even in this lull here to start the season, they've, they've maintained position over a lot of teams. And so I think, I think they're going to figure it out. I think even if that means signing a, an offensive attacker to come in and, and shore up that, that finishing for uh, Tucson. So I think that they are going to turn around defensively. They're good. And so I think if they can just keep, keep doing that, you know, if you can keep people from scoring goals, if you can figure out a way to knock some in every once in a while, uh, you can climb that ladder pretty quick. In terms of locks in the top, I, I think the question was in the top five, but I'm just going to go ahead and say the top four because that's the playoff spots. Um, here's my thing. South Georgia Tormenta in first place right now. I think the book is is out on them a little bit. I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Lansing, I'm not sold on Lansing. I think they're going to be – I think they're going to win a lot of games. But I also think they're going to lose a lot of games this season. They're going to be kind of uh, – they're going to be the roller coaster team of the league. Uh, North Texas looks – like the class of the league right now, but who knows if it's going to be the same team in a month from now, they, they could be, there could be complete overhaul and that's going to be true of any of these B two teams. I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen. So to me, the team that I think has the, the core that I don't think is going anywhere and, and is only going to add players because they only have 19 on the roster right now 
give me my hometown boys. I'm not saying that to be a home, a Homer. Ooh. I really think of those top four teams. They're the team right now that is going to be the most consistent throughout the season. You know, aside from a blown counterattack goal, they'd be undefeated right now. So give me, give me the triumph. I, I'm actually going to agree with you. I think Greenville, Greenville's my lock, uh, currently in the top four. I don't know where in the top four they'll finish. Um, but, but I think they'll stay, they'll stay in that top half for, for the whole season. Uh, and I think Richmond, if any of those teams, I'm looking at the stains, any of those teams based on what I've watched so far are going to make the pass. I think it's Richmond. Um, and again, a month from now, two months from now, it could be a totally different answer because of player signings, guys coming back from injury. Um, so it's still early on in the season to be predicting uh, who's going to make the playoffs after 28 games who played three uh, so far. So that was our only uh, question of the night. So we wrap it up first, guys. Um, before we head out, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get their scarves or custom scarves for your group at roughneckscarves.com. Also, thank you to uh, BGN Network for hosting us. You can go bgn.fm for a plethora of USL-related podcasts. And uh, before we head out, Elliot, where can the people find you at? <laughs> um, you can find um, well, yeah, you can find my personal Twitter at Yogi McLovin. Uh, you can find that on Twitter. You can also follow me at River City ninety three on Twitter. Um, follow more River City ninety three. I need more followers so I can spread <laughs> out to the masses. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. I think you guys for having me on tonight. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on, Ira. Where can people find you? At, at Ira Jersey on Twitter, um, and I'm trying to figure out how to use Instagram and what the best way to do that is. That's also at Ira Jersey. So, and Chris, yeah, go follow my podcast and writing account at YTSS Podcast. Um, you can listen to me drone on by myself. Uh, yeah, that soccer show, or you can go read my ramblings at GVLSoccer.com. And you can find me at Miracles on Twitter. Um, Jason should be back next week for you for you guys asking. But until then, uh, we'll see you next week. Mr. Steel, my best pick your basket.